Expect a big day for Arizona Wildcats in the NBA draft coming up here soon and what it means for the University of Arizona. Let's get started on Locked On Wildcats. You are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Luke, and thanks for listening to Locked On Wildcats. Happy Tuesday to everybody out there. All right. Arizona basketball, when it is at its best, is a school that is producing a ton of NBA players. That's always been the way that it is. I mean, you could look back to that first 1988 team that really put Arizona on the map when it was Sean Elliott, when it was Steve Kerr, when it was Anthony Cook, when it was Tom Tolbert, when it was Judd Bushler. You had five or six NBA guys on a team at any point. I mean, heck, you look at 1996-97, Arizona wins the national championship. Mike Bibby at the point plays almost 15 years in the NBA, makes over $100 million. Jason Terry scores almost 20,000 career points, over $100 million. Michael Dickerson, a 17-18 point-per-game score before he got hurt. That's what you're looking at. I mean, heck, 0-1, probably the best team in school history. Gilbert Arenas amasses more than $200 million. Richard Jefferson, over $100 million. Luke Walton plays in the league. That's generally a good barometer for where Arizona basketball is as a program and as a successful entity. And lo and behold, those teams were... You know, those that period from about 88 to 03, Arizona was one of the top five programs in the nation. Arizona's had a little bit of a lull lately since DeAndre Ayton was drafted. But this past year, Tommy Lloyd comes back in, puts Arizona back on the map, reclaims that mantle as one of the best programs on in the entire country and certainly on the West Coast. And the price of success, as great programs know, is that generally you end up losing some players. It's not ideal, but that's just the way that it goes. So, first, this is a big deal coming up here. Arizona's potentially got three guys that could go in the first round. We're gonna break all those, we're gonna break those guys' games down here. We'll talk about everything that they can do. But the important thing though is that it's the easiest recruiting tool in the world with Tommy Lloyd going into a living room and saying, Oh, by the way, um, Three guys last year from the U of A who, and only one of them was a projected first round pick, are all off to the NBA now. It's the easiest recruiting tool in the world. So let's get to it a little bit as to how Arizona got there. And that starts with Ben Matherin. NBA scouts um, had a lot of questions about Matherin going into this season. Everybody knew that he was going to be able to play in the NBA. That wasn't a secret. You could watch him for five seconds and see that he's six foot six. He is an incredibly explosive finisher and he could shoot the long range three. That in of itself, if he's willing to play defense, will find him a spot, will carve him off up a spot in the NBA. That's always going to be the way it is. But what scouts wanted to know is what was going to be that next level for, for uh, Ben Matherin? Was he just going to strictly be a straight line driver? Was he going to be able to start making some plays off the dribble? What exactly will be that next step for him? Well, Ben Matherin came back and not only did he say that I'll take care of all these issues for you, Ben Matherin came back in a big way and said that. 
very rarely do you see a guy who goes from being a straight line driver to a three point shoot, or excuse me, to a guy who could make plays off the dribble. And Ben Matherin did exactly that. He could bring the ball up the court. He could score. He could get by his man. He could get his man on his hip where he could pull up, draw a foul, get to the hoop. He did essentially everything you needed to do on an offensive from an offensive standpoint. Now, defensively, he's still not great. That's not exactly a secret, but he certainly has a lot of time to be able to get that part of his arsenal in there. And I'm also a believer, too, that if you're physically capable of being a good if you're physically capable of being a good defender, which Matherin is, he's got all the prerequisite skills and physical attributes and size, then you should be able to win. Excuse me. Then you should be able to defend. So much of it is will. But also, when it comes to Ben Matherin, so much of his success is also going to be predicated on where he goes. The first three picks in the draft are generally spoken for. I don't want to say that they're totally but you're probably going to go Jabari Smith, number one out of Auburn. That would be my pick every day of the week. Anybody not picking Jabari Smith, I think is making a big mistake. Then it's going to be Holmgren and Bancaro in whatever order you want to go. But after that, I don't know that there's a better prospect in the league or excuse me, in this draft. You keep hearing about guys like Jaden Ivey or Keegan Murray. To me, those are overrated Big Ten dudes. And we go through this every single year. We go through this every single year in the NCAA tournament as well, where, oh man, we got to get 12 Big Ten teams in here and they all get bounced in the first round or the second round. Then you look at the round the NBA, how many of the best players in the league are from the Big Ten? Like two? And those aren't even upper-level all-NBA guys. The best players don't come out of the Big Ten, and they just they just don't. So when I hear about this Big Ten hype, I kind of take it with a little bit of the rolling eye emoji. Now, Ben Matherin, I think, would be a great fit going to a team like the Pelicans, where you have a solid coaching structure in place with Willie Green. You got a good young, you got a good young core right there where you've got, obviously, Brandon Ingram, heck, a Zion Williamson if he ever decides to play, guys like that, or a team like the San Antonio Spurs. Now, the Spurs have certainly a a dearth of ta- a dearth of young talent on the perimeter. How about, well, how about we say that? But Greg Popovich knows what he's doing. He's rebuilding this team through the draft, and you got DeJounte Murray, you got – uh, excuse me, uh, Keldon Johnson, you've got Joshua Primo, you've got Devin Vassell. Those are four nice pieces on the perimeter to work with. You bring in Ben Matherin, that's another nice one. And Ben Matherin gives you probably a little bit more of that dynamic flexibility that only maybe DeJounte Murray has on that team as far as being able to serve multiple roles and being able to score the ball. But it's a team like that. You don't want anybody to ever go to the Kings, ever. Under any circumstances, the Kings are a a dumpster fire. Whoever goes there with that fourth pick is probably going to end up being a bust because you don't have any leadership from the front back. And that's not where any Arizona fan should want Ben Matherin to go. So, again, Ben Matherin, big things coming up here. We're going to talk in a second about a guy who I think has the most upside who might not even go in the first round. But first... You wanted to bet on the first round, you would go to the Bet Online Sportsbook app. Here's where it is. Here's the deal. Bet Online Sportsbook is where everything is from betting lines to props to in game to draft odds to preseason odds. And also, 
and I can't, I can't tell you this enough. It's important because it's easy to navigate. I think so many people have this idea that, oh, I don't really want to get onto one of those draft apps because, or excuse me, one of those betting apps because they're difficult or, you know, it's no, it's easy. You go from point A to point B to point C, and then it becomes second nature. So give the Bet Online Sportsbook app a try. A try. We'll be right back with you. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right. We broke down Dalen Terry, or excuse me, we broke down Ben Matherin. We broke down the fits. We broke down the impact of what Tommy Lloyd is doing here at the University of Arizona, especially if he could get three first-round picks. But now let's talk about a guy who I think has the most intriguing potential on this coming out here, and that's Dalen Terry. A lot of Arizona fans were hoping that we would get Dalen Terry back. We had, we did, well, Dalen Terry, to the surprise of not a ton of people, tested incredibly well. And there's a lot of rumors that he either has a, pro, a first round promise. And if he doesn't have a first round promise, he's got a pretty good idea that he's going to go in the first round. Now, you're also seeing two rumblings that not only could he maybe be going in the first round, he could be maybe moving his way up into the mid tiers, which is something that's pretty impressive for a guy that averaged eight points, four rebounds and three or four assists per game. But, and we talk about this all the time. The NBA is about potential. It is about production. That's where you're going to go with Dalen Terry right there. He is six foot eight. And a legit six foot eight, not six five and a half or any of that stuff. He can handle the ball. He has next level vision for a guy his size. And he's already coming in with a defensive mindset. Those are three huge keys there if you're an NBA team. And he's not even scratched the surface of how good he can be. Again, he was a young sophomore, didn't show a ton of shooting prowess this past year. But the shooting prowess that he did show was always timely, and he got better as the season went on. In the NBA, they'll certainly be able to work on that with him. Then he didn't really show anything off the dribble, but they'll be able to work with him on that as well. But what you are getting, though, is a guy that understands the game of basketball and is incredibly athletic, is has good skill. And I think if things work out well, again, fit is very, very, very important to what Dalen or excuse me, what Dalen Terry needs to do. But if he finds the right fit, I think you're looking at a guy that could start in the league for 10 years. I don't know that he's ever going to be an all NBA player because I don't know that he'll necessarily develop those kind of scoring chops, but he could be one of those elite elite level role players that you win with. Not really in the same vein, but kind of like what uh, Draymond Green does. You watch Draymond Green, Draymond Green's really not going to ever score. Um, in fact, it's been kind of painful watching him this uh, these NBA Finals. But he does everything else. He defends, he facilitates, he rebounds. He's the heart and soul of the team, and that's what I think you hope that Dalen Terry can be. Now, again, you got to be careful here because he's going to be a little bit. Uh, he's it's going to take him a little bit of time to get there for sure. He's not. He's not going to be ready to play this coming year, and, and he's probably going to spend a lot of time in the G League, which I think he understands, but. If you could go to a team and you the name that you keep here in a ton is the Denver Nuggets. He would be absolutely fantastic with the Nuggets where you've already got a Jamal Murray in place to score. You've got a Jokic. You've got a Michael Porter Jr. You can allow Dalen Terry to grow into that role. 
that's the kind of pro that's the kind of team that's the kind of program that you're looking at right there the other one that i would look at is a team say like the miami heat on the back end of the first round pat riley another one and if you catch a uh, if you catch a common uh, line right here, Pat Riley's another guy that just kind of gets it. Everybody that he drafts ends up being generally a pretty good pick because he knows, again, what he is doing. And he puts guys into the positions to be able to succeed. That's where Dale and Terry needs to be, in my opinion. Dale and Terry needs to be to go into a program like that. Again, I don't really want you going to the Magic or to the, you know, or to the Kings. We made fun of them earlier. Fit will be very important for Dalen. And I think whoever gets him, though, is also going to be very impressed by the caliber of young man that, that they end up getting because he is a play, he is a guy that signed up to play for a different coach. And that first coach didn't necessarily really know how to use him. The second coach did. And by the time that it was all it was all said and done, Dalen Terry had turned out to be one of the best players in that entire class. I'm a big fan of Dalen going forward, and I do believe that he is uh, – I do believe he will end up being the best player in this draft. How about that for a hot take? All right. Now, the biggest surprise of the entire season we're going to talk about next. We'll be right back with you. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Or excuse me. Excuse me. You're listening to the Lockdown Wildcats podcast. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right, now let's talk about the big man in the room, Christian Coloco. Going into last year, I was a fan of Dalen Terry. I was a fan of Benedict Matherin. I was not generally a fan of Christian Coloco. I like Christian Coloco personally, but I thought that there were some issues that he was had that would never really be able to be rectified. And generally, that starts with big man's hands. Now, there are some examples of guys improving their hands. We're going to get to one here in just a second. But generally, if guys have crummy hands, they don't get better. They, or excuse me, it's not something that's ever going to be a strength. It's something that you just kind of learn to live with. Dalen Terry, or excuse me, uh, Christian Coloco, though, kind of on a different plateau there. In that his first couple of years, he was a foul machine. He would squeeze, or he would squeeze the ball, and it would either go out of bounds. He struggled with uh, his confidence. And I think a lot of that had to do with Sean Miller and not having a real offseason because of COVID. Tommy Lloyd comes in and Tommy Lloyd says at the opening press conference for Arizona basketball that he knows what good teams look like and that, it, that Arizona has that feel of a good team. Okay, that was the first one that caught your eye a little bit. Then he dropped the bombshell that he thought that Christian Coloco could be the defensive player of the year in the conference. That one was the one where everybody's looking around like, whoa, did he just really say that? And not only did he say it, he meant it, and it came to fruition. And the biggest part with Coloco's improvement this past year, we just got to be honest, is just his frame of mind. You could tell by watching him that now basketball was fun again. And Tommy Lloyd was asked about, you know, what was the biggest improvement with Coloco? What was the magic, uh, you know, what was the magic uh, uh, stuff you used? And he said – Biggest thing for Christian Coloco was we love on him. And to me, that just means that when you make a mistake, you're not going to look over to the bench and see your coach snarling at you or being taken out of the game. Christian Coloco was trying to do the best. He just messed up at times. He was a young kid new to basketball. 
Lloyd gave him that sense of freedom, and you watched what emerged right there. You saw a guy on the defensive side, which we're going to talk about here primarily, but we'll get to the offensive side. You watched a guy with the defensive side of the ball who became one of the best shot blockers in the nation. I don't think that stunned a ton of people because everybody had seen the shot blocking potential, but it was more so than that. It was the dominance in which he did it and the dominance in which he was able to extend out to the perimeter. If you watch the uh, Pac-12 tournament championship against UCLA, it was Jaime Jaquez, uh, six foot seven, do everything small forward, lined up against Christian Coloco, and Christian Coloco not only defended him well, he defended him in space where he was able to basically take on Jaime Jaquez one on one. And Jaquez got his points, but he worked for everything. And you very rarely see a seven foot big man that is able to guard in space like that, along with defending the rim. He didn't get the love nationally that he should have, but I would be surprised if there was a better defender in the entire country than, than Coloco. And then on top of that, his rebounding numbers got significantly better because he was now able to hold on to the ball, which was a huge part of everything. And so defensively, you're getting a guy in the NBA that can do a lot of different things. Offensively, I think is the question mark. Now, there's two different routes that Christian Coloco can go here. He can become that stretch guy who can basically stand in the uh, corner, and which I think will eventually be his role. He didn't shoot a ton of threes at the U of A, but he also has shown as well that he can. If you watch him in practice, he's actually a fairly adept three-point shooter, and I know that at the NBA Combine, he shot really well there as well. So that is probably going to be his role. The other one is a rim runner. But I don't love that role for him, mainly because he doesn't have the – he's still as – as much as his hands have improved, he doesn't really still have that ability to squeeze the ball and to be able to grab it in traffic and dunk on big guys. You look at a player like a Mark Williams out of uh, Duke. He might not be quite the defender Coloco is, but he's a guy that can run up and down the court and he can just – he can catch oops and dunks all day. He's going to be fine in the league. I don't know that that's going to be Coloco's role, partly because he's not as fluid as some of those other players. But that doesn't mean that he can't play in the NBA and he can't play in there for a long time. But he's going to have to find a role offensively because it's not going to be as a post-up player. He just doesn't have that in his arsenal, and I don't think it's going to be as a rim runner. So the thing that he really needs to work on is his capacity to be able to stretch the court. Because if he can stretch the court, then you can play him offensively, and then you can bear the fruits of what he can do on defense, which is a great deal of different stuff. He's a player that I, you know, I don't see why he shouldn't go in the first round just because if it's based off potential, if it's based off what you could possibly get down the road, there's not a lot of players that have more than Christian Coloco in that regard. So it'll be a massive deal for Arizona, though, if you can get three first round picks in here, mainly because it's not like Tommy Lloyd needs credibility. But at the same time, if Tommy Lloyd can go into somebody's house and say, oh, yeah, by the way, we threw three first round picks over there. You know, and only two of them were real or only one of them was really projected to be that it becomes a lot more enticing to be able to recruit players like that. Also, on that side, it becomes much easier than for uh, 
future players to be able to have that kind of template. Tommy Lloyd could say, listen, here's what we did with Dalen Terry. Here's what we did with Christian Coloco. Here's what we did with Benedict Matherin. And they can see the end results. But more so than anything, when you start having multiple first round picks again, it shows that you are back amongst the nation's elite. And I think that's exactly what Arizona is at right now. And I think that's what they were pushing for. We'll be back a little bit later in the week, though. We're going to talk. We're going to move from the NBA to a little bit of recruiting. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Locked On Wildcats podcast.